This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast, discussing the town up or down since 2015. I'm Richard Woodward and you're tuning into the pre-match show in partnership with our good friends at the Greyhound Pub in Ipswich. This is the Fleetwood Away edition and joining me once again, my good buddy Seb Brown. Seb, two Northern Away days in as many, well, in a week, you must be cock-a-hoop. It's great, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, a lovely little jaunt up to Morecambe last weekend. I don't think it's going to be quite as nice and picturesque this weekend. But yeah, I'm very spoiled with Fleetwood away. And then I'm heading back down south the following weekend for, for Pompey. So I'm being being spoiled at the moment. Uh, but less Blue Monday company this um, coming weekend, though. Very true, yeah. I'm flying the flag solo. I think, bless him, even Craig thought this one's a bit too much, having done pretty much every away ground so far this season. Yeah. And obviously the rest of you guys just draw a compass round uh, Ipswich and think I'm not venturing that far north of the wall. Yeah, not twice in a week. So, um, But yeah, you, hopefully you'll be meeting up with Muller, who we gave plenty of mention to. So yeah, and hopefully, folk, if you are listening to this on your journey up to Fleetwood to go and see... Um, well, go and see Seb, maybe. Um, then, um, yeah, let us know and uh, give us a tweet or something or some, ping us a comment or something like that. We always like to know when folk are listening or where they are, as Ben mentioned last week. Um, so we've, we'll be talking about Fleetwood away. Um, it's, it's kind of it's a weird fixture, this one, uh, only because we will talk about why our shirt, we both got picked, unilaterally both picked the same shirt, didn't we? Um, unilaterally, do I mean that? We independently picked the same shirt. For those... Um, who are listening on the pod, this is, um, rather than watching on YouTube, the 1920 home shirt, the Chevrons with a monochrome Magical Vegas where they figured out that it looked terrible if it was printed in the proper colours. So we'll talk about the significance of that shirt later on. Let's do a few bits and pieces of news. And not much really going on at the moment. Obviously, we did the midweek um, Q&A with Mikey, Joe and Dave. So they did a lot of um, a bit of a news recap there. So that show is still available. So give that a listen. Um, one thing I guess we need to talk about is pack out Portman Road and the Lincoln game, the much delayed Lincoln game, the last of that trilogy. That is on Tuesday evening and you can still get 
tickets, Seb. I, I, I'm not. Sure. It's kind of like a parish announcement. I'm not sure there's much angle that we can put on this. No, there's not really anything else to say. Is it? I think they didn't. They say it's currently over twenty four thousand seats sold. So obviously, it's coming off the back of those three home games where it was a promotion. Was it forty quid for the three games? But due to COVID and some questionable shenanigans, perhaps by uh, uh, by Lincoln, it got pushed back to the start of March. But yeah, for twenty four thousand. It's going to be the last. Well, hopefully not the last uh, under the lights game at Portland Road. If we if we can finish in the playoffs, we might get a uh, a midweek game there. But it's definitely going to be the last league game under Portman Road lights so far this season. So get yourselves down there, and the more that go in there, we get a nice little boost on our uh, club we card do. points for this club shop, don't we? Yeah, we can buy more football shirts, can't we? So uh, the the in terms of news, we, again, it was it did come up in the live Q and A, but we could talk about it now. ITFC women, obviously, um, a lot of support that we're we're putting towards that team because. They're brilliant, frankly, and um, lots of exciting stuff going on. Not least the FA Cup quarterfinal draw that was made on Tuesday morning, yeah, um, Tuesday morning. against West Ham at home. So um, full details on that to, to come, I'm sure. But Sunday 20th March and hopefully a new record attendance there. Worth mentioning that the team um, faced Bridgewater on the weekend. Bridgewater, a decent team, currently fifth um, in the league. And last time out uh, in October... It took a last-minute goal. Um, I think it was Natasha Thomas from a corner, Bonnie Horde corner. Um, very dramatic um, conclusion to that fixture. So Bridgewater, um, to borrow a mechanism, no mugs. Um, and we wish um, ITFC women all the very best for their league campaign. It's very easy to get distracted by the FA Cup, um, but they are still in the hunt for a wow, top spot. Uh, in the Southern Premier Division as well. And so we obviously wish them well. Abby Lafayette, Lucy O'Brien, who we sponsor, but it'd be good if they had a league and cup double, wouldn't it, Seb? Absolutely, yeah. And that game against Southampton is creeping ever closer on the horizons into the title decider. They've still got, is it three, uh, five games in hand? I think they've still got over, over the, the women at the moment, haven't they, Southampton? It's uh, it's something crazy like that. I think Oxford are a, a couple of games in hand as well. So, you know, yeah, it's it, the, the FA Cup's been a lovely distraction. Obviously, West Ham are a, a top flight side in the in the championship. So that's the uh, Super League, sorry. So that's going to be a, a great test. But back to business this weekend and hopefully they can get the three points on the board to continue keeping that buffer between them and Southampton. Yeah, I think it's four games in hand that Southampton have. Um, four, okay. o- Oxford, I believe, have won. Though that league table I'm looking at might be a bit out of date. Uh, they've just got to keep winning. We, we talked about do. this, the interview, which is still available if you want to listen to us um, chat about the Southampton game that happened in the past um, with Liz Smith, Paige Peak, and Natasha Thomas. But the league campaign is still very much on these games in hand. Um, there's not a huge amount that Ipswich can do about those and Southampton are beatable as we almost well we demonstrated at least on penalties but we could have done an extra time as well so all the very best to ITFC women and fingers crossed we've got a victory to be talking about on the flagship show on Monday morning um, more details about that later on as well um, I think that's it Seb uh, we, we mentioned under 23s very briefly they're doing all right aren't they yeah, they won again, didn't they? So top of the league, the, I think Al Mazzuni played, Vincent Young played, Tyree Simpson bagged a couple of goals. So they're in a really, really good run of form at the moment, aren't they? They're doing Kieran Dyer and, and John McGreal doing absolutely superb, superb bit of work there. And um, I guess good to see Al Mazzuni and Vincent Young get some minutes under their belt. But we'll come on to our team selection at the end of the, the Fleetwood preview, I guess. Let's do. Let's talk about Fleetwood now. And tell us about where Fleetwood find themselves in the League One table, Seb. 
So they're, they, they are currently 19th in the league, 33 points, played 33 games, won seven, drawn 12 and lost 14, scored 47 goals, conceded 58. And of recent form, they've got no wins in their last eight games. So we said this, to be fair, me and Ben last week coming up to the Morecambe game. You know, this is the kind of game with a side not in great form that we really, really should be looking to to sort of tick three points off there. That They're just outside the relegation zone. They've got a game or two in hand over most of those beneath them because during Storm Eunice or Gladys or whatever it was, I think they had two consecutive weekends of, of waterlogged postponements for fixtures. So they've got a few games in hand to try and pull themselves clear of that relegation zone. Uh, obviously, they, they lost to us 2-1 earlier in the season at Portman Road. It was the Selena last minute, Brett Johnson pumping the air after a Danassian pullback. And I think, was that the only time we won two games on the bounce under Paul Cooks? We beat Pompey the, in the midweek before, battered them 4-0. I think that was the only time we won two games back-to-back. Um, and that was the uh, uh, Chaplin opened the scoring uh, just after half-time. Callum Morton equalised, eight minutes to go. So we were all thinking, oh, here we go again. But then Selena won it with that like a half volley from round about the, the penalty spot, didn't he? It was a, an absolutely great finish. But um, but they are certainly Seems. struggling this season. Yeah. We're mentioning that eight, eight games without a win, five draws in there. So they're quite a resilient team, but just lacking the quality maybe to turn some of those draws into victories. And obviously Portsmouth last weekend conceded last minute equalizers as well. So there's some frailty there. We'll talk about the personnel. There's all kind of injuries. They've got um, serious, so, yeah, yeah. Ser- serious injury problems, but they they are more than capable of pulling out a result. They've actually doubled Rotherham so far this season. I don't think there's going to be many sides that are going to do that, but they've wow. they're one. They've they've doubled them. Yeah, they beat them home and away. So so they can pull out a uh, you know can pull out a, a performance when they need to. Their home form completely matches their their overall league position. They're 19th in the league. Played 16 at Highbury, won five, drawn five, lost six. 26 goals scored, 25 goals conceded. But they have, like you said, a lot of draws. They've only actually lost one of their last five at home. So although they're not winning or picking up points, they can um, uh, they can sort of stifle teams and look to grind out a draw here and there. Yeah, worth mentioning. Let's talk about it now. Our record. It's weird to say Highbury. It is Highbury, isn't it? It is. I, I, was, I, thought, I thought it was strange, yeah. yeah was an Arsenal fan, I believe, or is an Arsenal fan. I'm not sure if he's still involved there. Uh, but it's a it's a one win, one defeat kind of situation there. But both of us with the 1920 shirt, that of the 1-0, we, we, we were there again with Muller and Craig, weren't we? And it was so Where, easy, wasn't it? It was so yeah, straightforward. We were... Yeah, did we go five points clear and they did the hold hand hand holding at the end and it was so easy, wasn't it? Luke Garber had a free kick, he smashed in and the keeper spilt it and Jackson followed up and then I think he missed Mr. a penalty, didn't he? Yeah, an injury time. And we were, yeah, five, six points clear. It must have been November, four October points. time. Four so points clear. Four so. points clear. Game with in hand. Eight, with eight goals better goal difference and one game... Um, having played one game less than Wickham, who were second. It was Leewood so at the time were third. And, uh, I mean, we'll talk about the manager in a second. Joey Barton was the manager at the time when we played them, as you said. And, um, and they finished yeah. in the playoffs that year, didn't they? Joey Barton got into the playoffs. They finished in the playoffs that season. So they were, they were a good side at the time. You know, they were neat and tidy and they looked okay. But I remember being a fairly professional performance from us. I remember Nolan being very, very good in central Wasn't midfield. There and- some aggro down one down the left-hand side as we were looking. Didn't someone... Wasn't there a bit of a scrap? I think that might have been the following game last year. I can't remember. I think Edwards might have taken somebody out. I, I think Edwards remember. might. That rings a bell. Okay. Uh, w- uh, worth mentioning, you mentioned Paul Cook. Um, not a, not a, a great turnout at Fleetwood um, in March uh, last year where we were defeated 2-0 goals from 
Callum Connolly, no less, from a long throw in, and yep. he headed and uh, Gerard Garner as well. So there's our mixed record up at Fleetwood. Talk to us about well, let, I guess we need to talk about last time out because it affects selection and one of the ITFC connections who we won't be seeing. Tell us about what happened midweek, Sam. Yeah, so they played Wigan. There were a round of fixtures, weren't there, midweek for some of the games in hand to start to get in up. They lost 2-0 uh, at the DW, still DW? Uh, at Wigan, whatever it's called these days. Uh, Wigan bossed all the game. If you look at the stats, they bossed absolutely everything, the possession, the shots, the the shots on target, the corners. They absolutely dominated the game. So I don't think they really got out of uh, got out of first gear. Uh, we. Uh, Fleetwood only had two shots on target, but the big news was right at the death, Joe Garner. Uh, it was his first appearance after three months out. I think he had a shoulder injury. So first appearance after three months out. We'll come on to their striking options later, but they're already missing probably their, their number one striker. So they finally got a bit of respite with, with Joe Garner coming back into the side. And yeah, he got sent off, didn't he? A straight red. So it's a, it's a three-match ban. Isn't it? I've not actually seen the incident. You've seen it, haven't you? What did he do? Uh, it's a weird coming... Because the trouble is the camera is it's quite zoomed out. I think there's a it's McLean and Garner kind of have a bit of a set to, and I think Garner is on the deck, and McLean grabs him or kick, Garner kicks out at him, and they kind of clash, and then there's like head to head kind of thing, okay. and it's just handbags. And to be honest, if you were to predict before the match who would be involved in such an altercation i think you'd get very short odds on these two players but as you say this just exacerbates the lack of options that stephen craney has and worth at this stage i guess getting people up to speed on craney a a name possibly familiar to folk who remember uh, his spell at blackpool where he made most of his um, career appearances as a left back but He's replaced Simon Grayson, who's now on the managerial merry-go-round once again, so... Yeah, so he replaced him in November. He got the job on a caretaker basis and did okay. So they made him a permanent manager in uh, in December. Uh, he's played 17, won four, drawn played seven. played as he. Lost, sorry, managed. Yeah, uh, seven, not managed 17. That's why you're on the ball. Yeah. Uh, won four, drawn seven, lost six. 1.17 points per game. He used to be an academy coach there. So he kind of stepped up from the behind-the-scenes kind of role. And like you say, he's known for his time at, at Blackpool, Leeds, Celtic, Wigan as a, as a, a, a tough defender. But he's, he's doing all right there. Yep. Scottish under-21 international, I think, as well, based on the very brief research that I did. Yeah, so interesting one there. So, I mean, in terms of the threat, Seb, this is Fleetwood are pretty typical in respect of a lower mid-table team. We're not going to expect masses of possession. So it, it could be very similar fixture to Cheltenham and Morecambe in that respect. And there is certainly... Um, the source of the goals, most of the goals, is not a surprise either. Tell us about tell us about their possession and where the goals come from. Yeah, so like I said, they've scored 47 goals, which is 1.4 goals per game. They tend to create 1.2 big chances per game. So they're basically taking the chance they, they create, but they're just simply not creating enough in, in match. Uh, they average just under 11 shots per game with four on target, and their possession is 47.7%, which is the 16th sort of in the league table. So pretty much it mirrors exactly where they currently sit in the league. This is not a side that's going to look to boss and knock it around. You know, they like to keep the ball in their own half. They like to launch 
launch, counter-attacks. We'll come on to sort of the style of play uh, when we go through the predicted lineup. But they'll be happy to sit back, let us have the ball, and it's going to get, it's going to become like the Morecambe game, like the Cheltenham game. We're going to have to find ways to, to break them down because they'll happily keep, uh, they'll happily let us have the ball and pass it around in, in non-threatening areas and look to get that low block and stifle us and try and frustrate us. Yeah, and talk to us about set pieces. Seb. That's their threat, isn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, from a, from a defensive point of view, first they've conceded fifty eight goals, so it's averaging one point eight goals per game that they concede. So, hopefully, you know, the chances are that's why they are where they are in the league. Let's be honest. Only five clean sheets all season, but set pieces they are, you know, very very good at. They've got sixteen goals from set pieces so far this season, which is thirty four percent of their total, and it's all down to one man. I remember we mentioned him on the September October show, the home game. It's Danny Andrew, the left back he's got six goals and six assists he's ever present so far this season with 33 appearances and he is their real threat from corners and free kicks and they've got a bit of height in the team so that that's really one to look out for and I don't know whether that long throw specialist is still there as well but that's obviously been a threat before um and yeah I I I, I don't think there's anything that's going to be too surprising to folk listening or watching out there in terms of how Fleetwood will set themselves up should we talk about some of the arrivals before we talk about formations and personnel that we would expect on the weekend? Should we talk about who came in and, and left? Because again, the Ipswich Town links, um, one that folk will obviously be fully aware of, actually two maybe as well. But there's a third in there. It's been I um, didn't, yeah. I didn't realise yeah till I was doing the research. So they had quite a busy January. They had eight arrivals and six departures. Obviously, we all know Toto Enciala is there. Um, he didn't. He was dropped to the bench uh, following the three-all game against Portsmouth. So he didn't feature against Wigan in midweek. But you know, would we be surprised if he came back in the weekend? And I guess we know he will either have an absolute worldie and be incredible, or he'll be awful and make a mistake in the first two <laughs> minutes that will mean his head's gone. So we'll we'll see if he comes back into the side. Ellis Harrison joined from Portsmouth. I remember you and me being at Portsmouth away in December 2019 and he gave was it Chambers and Enciala an absolutely torrid time didn't yeah. he so he again might have a bit of a point to prove he's kind of their only hope up front now that Joe Garner's suspended so he'll, he'll definitely be starting through the middle I would have thought and Josh Harrop do you remember him of the <laughs> red card away at somebody and I think he had a shot that cleared the stadium and he was I don't know Shrewsbury, we signed him in January was it, was it Shrewsbury yeah we or Wimbledon I'm thinking I don't know we signed him on loan didn't we in January last year and ex-Man United so we thought you know this is going to be decent and then he got COVID so we couldn't make his debut for like two weeks and then when he came in I think he was just relatively awful wasn't he so I didn't realize he was actually there he won't feature he's injured so he won't be involved on sure. on Saturday but uh, he is he is amongst their roster and I guess they had some of the departures as well which you know a, a name we were maybe hoping to be linked with was Jay Matete obviously we saw him go up against Morsey in the home game back in October there were some transfer deadline day rumors weren't there that we might potentially make a move for him because he was coming out of contract this summer but Sunderland swooped and got him on a uh, I think it was a three-year deal in the end. James Hill, their the young prospect, a young centre-half, he was signed by Bournemouth for just over a million quid, so he moved up the pyramid, and that's quite a big loss to them. We'll come on to the, the centre-backs in a minute. And Callum Morton, the guy that scored mm. against us early in the season, liked he him. got recalled. Yeah, I liked him. He was him. excellent. He was recalled by West Brom and then sent straight out to Peterborough. So one of these January transfers where, you know, they think they can do a job further up the pyramid to the club, recall them and send them straight back out. So striker-wise, they are they are struggling. And worth mentioning, Toto's got two assists, including one on his debut as well. So he's added something to his game there. But as you mentioned, dropped 
midweek so an interesting one there but i think you'd be you'd be uh it would be a strange one for him not to face his former club because there's always that jeopardy of the ex-player isn't there coming back to haunt his old club so i would have thought yeah. so yeah i mean the the other of, of the two center after got a guy called tom clark there who's 34 so you know logically you might want to give him a bit of a rest and look to bring toto back in to hopefully prove a point against the, the club that let him go yeah, Tom Clark's a name that's been around for a while. I'm trying to remember where I know him from. Preston, was it? And yeah, I think he was at Preston. So um, 34 now, so a bit susceptible yeah. to pace. I mean, the, from a formation's point of view, they they've kind of the, things have changed quite a lot throughout the last six games. I guess when you see a side kind of struggling towards the bottom of the table, managers will try different things, won't they, to try and stumble across some sort of formula or, or, or winning run. So in the last six games, they've played four three 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 times. 5-3-2 twice, and then they played 4-1, 4-1 against Wigan on Tuesday night. Um, but the personnel they have in the 4-1, 4-1 system allows them to change it to a 4-3-3 if needed because you can push the two uh, the two wide midfielders into a, into a front three. Um, but when you look at the heat map and the average player positions from Tuesday night, it was all over the shop. So, you know, if, if we assume they're going to go for a 4-1, 4-1 like they played against Wigan because their hands are tied by the amount of injuries they've got, yeah, I, I'm just looking at MK Dons, who they got a draw against a few weeks back, and it was the four-one-four-one there. So, I'd, I'd expect that possibly to be the route that they go down. Yeah, and yeah, and and in terms of the selection, I mean, some really obvious ones there. Um, talk well, talk us through, and the keepers. Pretty much a straightforward. Keepers a guarantee. Yeah, Alex Carnes will play. He's played all the games so far this season. Uh, Kieran O'Hara is the uh, the backup, and Harry Wright, obviously they signed from us when we released him in the summer, is merely a uh, EFL trophy game. He had a loan spell out as well, um, but he, he's yeah. not a, a backup keeper or anything. Right backs likely to be Callum Johnson. He's played. Tw- he's made twenty six appearances so far this season with four goals and one assist. He's on loan from Pompey. Tom Clark, we've mentioned. Either I guess we might be expecting Nciala to come in, maybe for him. Zach Jules has made 15 appearances since joining on loan from MK Dons in January. And as we said, Danny Andrew, the left back, is the, the key one in terms of the set piece delivery, the corners, the crossing. He's one of their major, major sort of creative outlets. In terms of how they like to play, we'll, we'll come on to the, the midfielder stuff in a minute, but in terms of how they like to play, they tend to be a short passing side. I didn't go to the Fleetwood at home game, but I seem to remember people saying they, they, they weren't a, a long ball side by any stretch of the yeah. imagination. I think they were knocking it around quite nicely. They, they averaged 302 short passes per game which is 77% of their total passing so they don't, they don't necessarily go long they like to, to sort of knock it around and uh, and keep it short uh, they like to get shots off from range 47% of their shots come from outside the box and they've scored nine goals from 168 attempts they like to attack down the right hand side like I said Callum Johnson there with, with four goals and one assist he likes to get forward and get involved in the attacking play and as we said earlier they do like to keep the ball in their own half and sort of look to look to exploit the quicker players with a with other killer through ball to break the lines they're, they're happy to keep the ball knock it around their, their, their half of the pitch and then go for those killer balls when, uh, when applicable yeah the goal they scored at Portman Road was a pretty good move from what I recall it was well finished off by Morton in the end but yeah they did they did surprise me there um, in terms of that um, trying to pass the ball through us, um, which you guess you don't necessarily expect from a team like Fleetwood. I, I like um, the holding midfielder, Seb, Callum Camps. Yeah, uh, I like him. Rochdale, tell us about him. 
Yeah, decent player, isn't he? He played that role on Tuesday night. I think for, for parts of the season, he's played slightly further forward, but he's doing a job there at the moment. They've, they've got major injury problems. So normally you'd probably have Daniel Batty or Jordan Rosita sitting in that uh, that position, but obviously they're both out injured. They won't feature. So Callum Camps came in and he, he played that role. He's got two goals and four assists from 21 appearances, and he's the one that likes to launch those through balls to really look to exploit either the wide players or whoever's playing in the central, the central um, striking position. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Right midfield is likely to be Shaden Morris. 21 appearances, two goals, no assists. He really likes to hug the touchline. He's an out-and-out chalks-on-the-boot kind of winger. He'll hug that touchline and look to, look to run all day and get the, get the crosses in. Carl Johnson is currently playing as their central sort of more defensive midfielder of the two. Now, he's actually a defender by trade, but because of the injuries, like I just said, to uh, to Batty, Josh Harrop, uh, Rossita, he's, he's the one doing a bit of a job in there for them. Harrison Biggins will start in the other central midfield position. 28 appearances, five goals, one assist. He likes to drop slightly left, slightly wide left, pick the ball up. So hopefully we can find a little bit of space in the centre of the park for Morsey and, and presumably Backinson to kind of kind of work their way into. And on Tuesday night, they played Daniel Butterworth at left midfield. Now, he's actually a forward on loan from Blackburn. Uh, no goals, no assists, but he's only played five games. He played in that left-hand side. As I said earlier, in the 4-1-4-1, with Shader Morris on the right and Daniel Butterworth on the on the left, they can easily just simply push up the pitch to make it a tighter midfield three of Camps, Johnston and Biggins, and they can really look to forget forward in, in support of Ellis Harrison. And it's quite... Uh, Shader Morris, I think, is... is quite young he's i think he might be i'm trying to 19 butterworth's quite young as well so there's there's some inexperience there i'm trying to find a lord of the rings gag about hey harrison biggins or christopher biggins i can't yeah i i didn't i didn't have enough time to prepare for that one but there's uh, there's creativity there isn't there but possibly limited experience and big players missing from that midfield as well seb and that's again 
part of the story as to where Fleet would find themselves. Very much so, yeah. Bad injuries in central midfield and bad injuries at, at, at centre-half. They've got Paddy Lane, who's been a regular so far this season. Uh, he wasn't in the 18 against Wigan. He made his comeback in the Portsmouth game, but then he wasn't in the 18 against Wigan. And in their pre-match, we're recording this on, on Thursday night, in their pre-match sort of press conference today, they said he's back on the grass. He could come into contention. He's a, a, a midfield player who likes to sort of get forward and create things. Anthony Pilkington, uh, former Norwich, isn't he? We were, we were linked mm. with him, weren't we? When um, Lambert well, had a that window with, yeah, with Alan Judge and stuff. Uh, he's a bench option these days. And they had a young lad called uh, Kyan Hayes. He came off the bench, apparently, against Wigan on Tuesday night. Did really well. He got praised by the manager after the game. So there is a thought amongst their, their forum stuff that he might come in and get a chance. He's kind of a, uh, a quick, a quick wide player uh, who could come in and support, support the main striker. Yeah, I, I, just going back to Pilkington very briefly, he's, as you said, the majority of his appearances have come off the bench, but he's actually scored three goals in the last kind of couple of months or so. So he is a really good option for them. And as obviously we mentioned the kind of limited experience there. So he's a player that has a lot of career experiences and appearances, sorry, at, at championship level and is, is a useful person to rely on. Um, you mentioned Kean, was it? Uh, Kean Hayes. Kean Hayes. He's a young 20-year-old for the yeah. He came on. The, the only reason I'm saying he might be involved, he got he got very much praise from Craney after the game against Wigan. Uh, I think he came on at half-time in that game and he, apparently, by all accounts, he did pretty well for himself. So I'm guessing there's a theory he could come in. But if, if Paddy Lane is fit, he's the more likely to come back in. Yeah, so he's, he's, he's actually started quite a few games, seven games um, for Hayes. But yeah, young and yeah, not no goals. No assists, but obviously uh, a young guy trying to make his way in the game. The, the the attacking options is where we, you know, Pilkington, I guess, could could do a job as an attacker if needed. But there is issues up front in terms of, we mentioned one Garner. There are yeah. two Garners at Fleetwood and the other one's missing as well. Yeah, injured since uh, he got an ankle injury. I think it was on Boxing Day. Uh, so he's not featured since then. So he was the guy that scored against us, one of the goals against us last last March. So he won't be involved. Joe Garner is suspended. So they are kind of putting all their hopes on Ellis Harrison, who's got two goals in 10 appearances. I think he scored in his debut, actually, uh, having signed from Portsmouth. But he's got, yeah, two goals in 10 appearances. And if you look at the heat maps, what's quite interesting, he seems to be dropping quite deep and allowing the two wider players, so if we assume it's going to be Morris on the right and Lutterworth, uh, Butterworth on the left, he's kind of dropping deep and allowing them to kind of push forward. Um, so that's an interesting tactic, because at ours, he was, he was kind of an out-and-out focal point, wasn't he? Paul Hurst yeah, was aerial a, threat. Yeah, in a 4-1-4. Lambert didn't really use him, but Hurst tried to use him in a 4-1-4-1 as uh, like a focal point to to hold the ball up and get other people involved. So we know what he can do. Uh, obviously, he might have a point to prove against us. He bullied us, like we said, in that game at, at Portsmouth a couple of years ago. So he's a he's their main threat, and hopefully we can look to keep him quiet. Yeah, other than, I'm just looking through the squad now. That otherwise, there is very limited options. Yeah, well, Butterworth, like I said, is a forward. The guy on loan from Blackburn, he is a forward. So I guess they probably signed him, hoping to add some competition to Harrison. But then given the injuries they've, they've experienced, he's having to do a job at, at left midfield at the moment. And Shaden Morris, I think, can play up there as well. So, yeah, it'll be an interesting one. But, yeah, I think 4-1-4-1 seems inevitable because of those absentees. So, there you go. In in terms of Ipswich and how we'll face off to them, I'm not expecting a a great deal of change. I think possibly... Oh, don't you think? I think the front three will change after the the Morecambe game, surely. Well, yeah, sorry. That was a given. The front three is always subject to change. I couldn't fit everywhere else. Uh, the one thing I was going to talk about um, is Dominic Thompson, whether he starts left wing back. Obviously, 
Matt Penny, I think, has returned from injury and is available. But yeah, let's talk about the the front three. You singled out Tom Clark if he starts as being a little bit lacking in pace. So does that yeah. suggest to you Jackson? I- I would have Jackson. I think Selena deserves a start because I thought he played After well when the, he came on. Yeah. yeah, he came on, didn't he? Changed the changed the game for the better for us. So I'd like Selena and Jackson to be two of the three, and then who the other one is, I don't know. It's a, it's a lottery, Chapman. isn't it? It could. Yeah, I mean the two number tens with Jackson in the role that that was the that was the one against uh, Burton at home, wasn't it? And they got some joy out of that one. So you know Norwood and Bond didn't really do much at all against Morecambe. Did they struggle to get into the game? Didn't they? Piggott seems quite far off at the moment. So I'd be happy with the. The two tens in Selena and Chaplin and, and Jackson through the middle, I, I wouldn't mind that at all. Yeah. Um, I guess we assume Backinson will carry on in midfield yeah. with uh, with uh, Sammy Morsey. Morsey. And yeah, it'll be an interesting one at, at left back, wouldn't it? I mean, do you look to bring in Vincent Young? He's had some some minutes in the under-23s on Monday. Could he potentially come in and get a start? Does he keep faith with Thompson? I mean, if Thompson doesn't play, the hell's going to take our set pieces? Um, Chapman. That's why I was going to go for Chapman. Oh, okay, Chapman. yeah. So we'll go from floating them to not beating the first man. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> um, or, uh, or maybe Matt Penny, like I say, he's back. He's fit again. And... Going forward, Penny's Penny's all right. He's not the best defensively, but I guess you know if it's going to be a game like Morecambe, where the, the left wing back's going to be pretty much an out and out left forward, uh, maybe he could could come in and do some damage in the in the left hand side. It will be interesting, won't it? We will um, see what happens there. Do you want to give us a prediction, Seb? Uh, I think uh, I'm going to go. We, we need to win. We know that. I'm going to go for a one nil win to match the the result of a couple of seasons ago. I will join you with a one nil. I think we'll win just to keep the agony alive. Although we did say at the end of the flagship, we're going to keep we're going to keep the hope alive. So let's do that and go into Lincoln on Tuesday with a full, well, a nearly full Portland Road with some optimism. Whatever happens, we will be back with the flagship show on Monday morning. Um, Seb and I will return along with Dave Diamond to talk about Fleetwood and how that game turned out. So do join us for that. Worth mentioning, as always, um, we are in, um, these shows are in partnership with our good friends at the Greyhound. You've got a home match on Tuesday um, to take advantage of the hospitality at the Greyhound. And then we're back for Portsmouth next weekend as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So double bubble there. Um, So do get down the Greyhound, Seb. It's best pre-match venue town, isn't it? Absolutely. Why would you go anywhere else? You know, grab yourself one of the booths, get there as soon as they open, grab one of the booths, order some food, enjoy some some go ship or some, you know, some ease up or whatever, whatever tickles your fancy. And yeah, why would you go anywhere else? You, you might find some of the Blue Monday group down there. Some of the Turnstile Blue guys are down there. It, it really is the only place to go pretty much and post match. There you go. What an endorsement you've got there. We mentioned the live Q&A um, show midweek available still um, to listen again. I listened to that earlier on my drive back from the Midlands. I enjoyed that very much so. The chat between Mikey, Dave and Joe. So do get involved in that if you haven't already. And as always, all the details you need about where our shows are, where our socials are, all that fun stuff. Blue Monday, ITFC co.uk the itinerary for the week is there if i remember and all of the other bits and pieces of information available there excellent have we missed anything out in terms of 
plugging stuff, Seb. I think we've done. No, just right. say you're right. Yes, the women interview is still available. You know, we're currently on yes. a, a high with the women's side. So, yeah, by all means, get yourselves a listen to that with you with uh, Natasha Thomas, Page Peak, and, and Liv Smith from was it Wednesday of last week? I think it was middle of last yeah, week. Yeah, so. put out Thursday, and and the hope is that I, I I'm hoping that I'm seen to be some kind of lucky omen. So maybe we'll have something before the twentieth of. Um, March for West Ham as well. So keep your eyes peeled there on our socials and all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, let's do slide indoors. And I was able to get some respite from serial defeats in this stupid, pointless feature that I just hate. Uh, let's have a look at the league table. Look, there he is, smug. Right at the top there, though. Defeat last time out, Seb. You uh, obviously, yeah. yeah, but you didn't bank on Ben's kind of pleading right at the end of the feature to get some votes. Or only described it in the green room before we went live. I kind of thought, well, he's just going to blame Roy Keane's demise on David Diamond, so I should be all right there. But obviously, I didn't take into account how how much that would resonate with people. So yeah, a a, a worthy victory for for Ben last week. I think I would have picked. Geo, if I was doing it, oh, I think you're just saying that. No, I, you know, you're a clever guy. You mean you, you know didn't your vote? Stuff. You mean you didn't vote for me? I abstained. Yeah, I can't. Wow. I, can't, I abstained. Really? It wouldn't. Have, I, it might have reduced the percentage delta a little bit that you lost by, but <laughs> it wouldn't have made a huge amount of difference. So, um, and uh, tell us where we're where, where we're going back in time to this week. So I think this is the. Is this the last of the managers from the, the last 20 years? Well, no, we haven't done the Jordan yet, have we? Right. So th- th- this this week, spoiler alert, is going to be the, the Paul Jewell era, a time that most of us have probably tried to erase from our minds. But we, yeah, we've done all the rest of them. So we're going to give Paul Jewell a go tonight. And um, yeah, I'm interested to see what you've, what you've got. Are we, are we saying that the, the Barnsley game is a gimme? Is that what we're saying? Yeah, the 5-3, I think, is is peak sliding doors yeah pool jewel just too obvious i think that's in i think i think anything in the, in that top 10 compilation video that we put out yeah um, i might need to retweet that because i did enjoy putting that together we did do a, a sliding doors compilation that's on our it's in a playlist on the blue Monday channel but it's an old upload that's um now on ben's channel but i think anything in that one which does include the five three i believe and that was just ridiculous i was at half time i was kind of rubbing my hands together like thinking brilliant gone, yeah, the, kind of, the jeopardy of a new managerial appointment and then yeah blooming keith andrews and jason and, scott and everyone another, screwed another, us over and yeah another year of misery uh do you want to go first or second uh, I don't mind going first this week, so I'm going to go for just after Paul Jewell joins us. Obviously, Roy Keane gets sacked January 2011. Paul Jewell bottles the Arsenal game, which we end up winning 1-0, obviously. And then we into the January transfer window. So we do a bit of business. We bring in Jimmy Bullard. And one that got away was Charlie Austin. Now, I know people often say that he was never going to sign for us. It was all a ploy by his agent. But it was confirmed we had him in the building. And I'm very much of the belief of if you have somebody in the building, don't let them leave until they've signed on the dotted line. You know, if you've got them there... Do what you need to do to get that deal done. At the time, he's relatively up and coming from, from Swindon, isn't he? So it wasn't it wasn't big money. I think he moved in the end. I've made a note here. I think it was about a million quid. 1.26 million he ended up moving to Burnley for. And I just think if Jewel had bought him in, then he's of a really good age. Uh, we probably don't have to then go out and sign Chopra the following summer. Chopra's been okay. Taylor. 
in it. Yep, Paul Taylor. Chopper did okay in his first season with us, didn't he? But, you know, he was part of the what, the, what do the kids call it? The banter era. Is it the banter era of ITFC? He's got his off-field stuff. He's got the trip to Newcastle with Jimmy Bullard. He's got telling gangsters at the training ground that Aaron Cresswell's him and stuff. You know, it's, it's part of an era we'd rather forget. So I think if we can bring in Charlie Austin, get that deal done, then potentially Paul Jewell's time could have been very, very different. Because although we remember him for being absolutely awful, and I am I'm in no means a Paul Jewell apologist, I, I think he was absolutely rubbish, he did okay in those six months after he took over from Roy Keane. We play 22 games, we win 10, we draw four, and we lose eight. And there's a spell, I think, in either March or April, where it's like one defeat in, in five or six. And I seem to remember at the time, there were a few murmurings of maybe putting together a bit of a challenge for sort of the top the top 10 and stuff. So I just think a, a, a young, hungry, proven, you know, Charlie Austin striker could have made that bit of difference. And we all know what he went and did afterwards. You know, he went to Burnley in the end. He was exactly a one in two man. He made 41, uh, 82 appearances and scored 41 goals in the league, I think it was, and then got a big money move for 4 million quid to QPR. And at that time, don't forget, Evans is still investing in the side. So we bring in 4 million quid potentially for him after a couple of years, if, if we're still in, uh, in, in, in Division 1 at the time, the championship, and, uh, and potentially Evans reinvest that money. So I think if we'd assigned Charlie Austin, potentially Paul Jewell's time could have been very different at town. Yeah, do you blame Simon Clegg for the Charlie Austin debacle? Yeah, I mean, we, we couldn't get anything done. Do you remember when Roy Keane's autobiography came out afterwards? He said we had Sean Derry in the building and we never rung him back and we yeah. had uh, a left Irish left-back, can't remember who it was, in the building and we never called him back. And yeah, that, at that time, we were just a bit of a joke, weren't we? Yeah. But if they're there, if they're sat in the office, they've had the tour of the training ground, they're at Portman Road, wherever they are, if they're in the building, do not let them leave until they sign that dotted line. Yeah, we didn't learn our mistakes from um, Kevin Phillips, didn't we? Um, different different owners at that point, though. So, yeah, there's a good old 11 that you could possibly put together for players who are at Portman Road and don't go on to sign them. Um, so my my pick, I mean, I, I'm really close to doing sliding doors moment in the Paul Jewell era is the point where Marcus Evans goes, Oh yeah, I'm going to appoint Paul Jewell. What a great idea! Uh, but I can't, I can't pick that because it's nothing to do with Paul Jewell. So I'm going to put out there the seven-one defeat to Peterborough because, frankly, he should have been sacked at that point. What an utter embarrassment, a shambles that that situation was. Let me remind you that the and admittedly, it's he's only been appointed the season before in the ten-eleven season, but we the season concludes with five goals shipped at home to Norwich, four goals conceded away at Swansea. Um, we beat Preston. There's a bit of respite at the end of April in the 10-11 season where we beat Preston. Then we ship four goals at Leicester. We've got a real problem in keeping goals out at the other end. We start the second, um, the next season, the next campaign, the 11-12, with a really you know, optimistic start with a, that win at Bristol City if folk remember that, with goals from Chopra and Lee Martin. But it soon derails. And I just think the the, the warning signs were there for me. There's the defeat to Hull, which is 1-0, which is bare enough. But then we ship five goals at home to Southampton, the game of the floodlight failure. And then we go into this match against Peterborough and lose 7-1. And what's worse is the discipline is just gone as well. There's red cards 
for Lee Martin. There's a red card, I think, for Tommy Smith in there. What an absolute... Don't we take I'm the a... lead as well in that game? I th- Yeah, I'll, yeah. I think Keith Andrews puts us one Scores a belter, doesn't he? Scores <laughs> yeah. a long range, which we never, ever see anymore. Because it's just... Yeah, he, he scores after 23 minutes. Paul Taylor, and that's why probably why we sign him, scores twice. Tomlin scores a hat-trick. McCann gets two as well. It's just... And it was on Sky as well. I mean, what yeah, peak embarrassment there. And what's more is, you know, the, again, there's he was... Paul Jewell was the the king of getting a result. Just when things are looking really bad and he might get the can, he manages to pick out a result. And we we beat Leeds after losing to Peterborough. And then we go on a little bit of a mini rally. And then there's this run in November where we lose every single game at home. We then lose. uh, And and then it's just looking at these fixtures it's ridiculous and then it, and then suddenly there's a swing around as well but yeah he's gone for me you lose 7-1 to Peterborough in the championship but at that point he's only six months into the job and they've just backed yeah, him well, in the window to sign the realized. likes of Nathan Ellington and Chopra and you know yeah. they've backed him big they can't possibly sack him was it four games into the season I think well I go back to my original point he should have been shouldn't have been appointed in the first place <laughs> frankly out of his depth totally out of his depth but I just think there is enough to lose five two at home and then seven one away. I just so we had like Ibrahim Asonko and Inga Marsen as our centre halves at the time. Yeah, what a... two free transfers and nobody else wanted. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, do we? And that's when the investment's supposedly happening. You know, we there's a lot. Yeah, well, he's going big on. Yeah, that summer. I mean, Chopra comes in. We signed Bullard full time. God, how Emmanuel Thomas comes in. Yeah, because well. we sold Connor Wickham, didn't we, and reinvested some of the. Some yeah. of the money, I guess, but we had that really old, weird diamond formation midfield of oh. Willard, Andrews, Lee Bowyer, and somebody else. Yeah, other teams just ran what rings around us, didn't they? Absolutely. I'm, I'm going to swear because we're 43 odd minutes in. Absolute shit show under Paul Jewell. He should have been sacked well before that Barnsley game. He should definitely have been sacked up. That Barnsley game, as I said, you know, we, we can't go anywhere near that because that's just a gimme. But what an absolute joke that was. And you think of all the money that Evan, you know, that five oh, yeah. million Crazy. double bid for George Boyd and put and Paul Taylor. We end up with Paul Taylor. Yep. Just we tried to sign a couple of guys from Portsmouth who would have actually been good buys. Was it Joel Ward, who's now at Palace as a right back? Yeah. Somebody else, a defender, I think, went to Leeds, and they would have been good buys. And again, we just couldn't get the Tom deals Pierce, done. is it? I yeah, think. maybe. Yeah, we just couldn't get the deals done, could we? And we end up shopping in they the knew. bargain basement. They knew they didn't want to go and play. But for, as much as I bemoan, there's two two bits of business that he, he got right. He signed yeah. Aaron Cresswell, didn't he? Yeah. And I think he signed Luke Chambers as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're the so, two, aren't they? There you go. But so, as always, we will put the Twitter poll out um, and you can decide whether it was letting Charlie Austin leave Portman Road without signing on the line or a 7 1 humbling at Peterborough United <laughs> live on Sky. Um, and we'll see how we get on next week. There you go. Any more to add? Any pleas for votes, Seb, or anything like that? Or are you happy for? to trust the our wise and learned audience. I will put my faith in the audience. They've never yeah. let me down. The Twitter followers are excellent. So please use your heads and vote and think, are you really going to sack a manager four games into a season where you've just heavily backed him? Just think 5-1 defeat to Norwich. You know, should have gone because after that. Because we didn't that, have Charlie maybe. Austin. We have Charlie Austin. That could be five, That could be 6-5 to Ipswich. Brilliant. Yeah, there you go. I'm, I think we. I would. I'm not going to say anything and just leave you with that logic. That's the logic that you're voting for if you vote for Sam. Anyway, here's a, here's Aqua. Oh.
that is your lot um thank you for joining us and sticking around if you have so far seb as always thank you for your research and your input and your sage wisdom about all things paul jewel and we will look forward to chatting to you on the flagship show just a reminder as always head down to the greyhound our partner for the pre-match shows to join us for the flagship as we mentioned monday morning that will be out with seb um, and Dave and I, and um, as always, we will probably. Are you thinking about doing a post match after Lincoln on Tuesday? Or is that me and Mikey discussed it? Yeah, because we're the two that won't be at the game given our geographical limitations. So we can happily jump on like we did after the Cheltenham game, but hopefully, it'll be a better result. Yeah, fingers crossed. So, yeah, we'll put details out if that's happening. Um, join on the way home. Um, but yeah, uh, Seb, do you want to? Uh, I'll once again thank you for all of your hard work and uh, thank you everyone for joining us. Safe travels up if you are traveling up to Fleetwood and do say hello to Seb if you see him and I'll hand over to you for the final word. Yeah, thanks everyone for listening and, and watching. Safe journey up there. Uh, most uh, Quite a few people are meeting in the Fleetwood official bar at the ground. So get yourselves in there for a, a pint or some food pre-match. And as always, come on you blues. <laughs> It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.